Our uh, scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've been with us this summer, you'll know that uh, we have been looking at uh, the story of wisdom as told to us in the Old Testament, particularly uh, we looked at the book of Proverbs. We're now on to Ecclesiastes. Uh, the Bible is full of these kind of wisdom books or these wisdom literatures, some in the Old, some in the New Testament. Uh, but our passage this morning comes uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll sp- spend three weeks here, um, and, uh, and you'll see why it's probably only going to be three weeks. Uh, so listen to these words. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to 23. This is God's word. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity." So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who is toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This is God's word. Let's pray. John chapter 6, verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so, Father, help us now to hear and obey what you say to us today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, if I were to to take our passage and try to kind of boil it down and to summarize it concisely for all of us to understand, this is what I would settle on. Verses 12 to 17 are basically saying this, that both good and bad things happen to the wise and to the foolish at seemingly random ways. So, because of that, why worry or stress about being wise? Because in the end, it's all meaningless, like a chasing after the wind. After all, death erases all things. No one will ultimately remember whether we are wise people or whether we are foolish, and frankly, they won't even care. 
That's verses 12 to 17. Verses 18 to 23 are basically saying this. Why work so hard in order to achieve and succeed in life? Because we eventually all die and wind up leaving it to another person. And that person could be a wise person or they could be a foolish person. Either way, we have no control over what they are going to do. So if that's true, why work really hard in excellence to achieve anything? Because at the end, it is full of sorrow and futility. All of it is meaningless. That's pretty cheerful words, right? Pretty cheerful things for us to to contemplate. This can't be right. How can all of this be in the Bible? How could such doom and gloom be here? And so we come to this book of Ecclesiastes, which I have to say is probably one of the most difficult books to understand in all of the Bible. In fact, if you don't really understand what is happening here, you will most certainly be lost with the words that are saying and most certainly be depressed by the words that are being said here. I've often said you have to preach Ecclesiastes in the summer months because if you do it in the winter months when it is cold and gloomy outside, you just can't do it. You're piling on. But if you really understand uh, the value of this book, if you really understand what is going on, it can offer a tremendous amount of value and has incredible things to say, especially in our current culture. Because what it does in a very creative way is it uncovers the tremendous hope that we have in a relationship with God, the tremendous hope that we have in an otherwise hopeless and empty world. You see, while the book of Proverbs is considered to be proverbial wisdom, we've talked about that thus far, where it offers these these kind of short sayings that offer very wise things for us to live by, once you get to the book of Ecclesiastes, you get to a different kind of wisdom. It's called speculative wisdom. And it's wisdom uh, that explores the, the difficult questions that life often presents to us. These are are questions that we are confronted with each day that don't often have really ready-made answers or simple answers. Uh, They are answers that are often gray uh, rather than really black and white. Uh, These are questions that people are often uh, very afraid to ask because they don't really know the answers to them. And so what they'd rather do, because they don't have answers, is they would rather just kind of stick their heads in the sand and not really think about them at all. But what the book of Ecclesiastes does is it presents us with these ultimate questions. It forces us to think through things, to to explore these questions that are not easy to answer, to explore the presuppositions that all of us build our lives upon. You see, it makes us think through the core beliefs that you may or may not even be aware of, those core beliefs that ultimately affect the way you live your life day in and day out. So if you are willing to explore those presuppositions, to explore those core beliefs, what you often discover is you find out coming out on the other side stronger and more rooted in this thing of faith. 
So in order to understand what's going on in this book, you have to understand what the author is trying to do. It points the author is called Koheleth. Uh, in our translations, uh, the author is called uh, the preacher. And you have to understand what the preacher is trying to do in this book because some have called it a wisdom experiment, Okay, and this, and this preacher is taking us on this wisdom experiment, and we're told about it in chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Listen to these words. I, the preacher, have been king in Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, out by wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And this is the clincher. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. In order to understand what the preacher is trying to do, you have to understand two concepts, two words or sections or phrases that keep coming up throughout the entire book. And the first phrase, and perhaps the most important, is this phrase, under the sun. It's repeated over 30 times all throughout the book. And, and what that phrase means, under the sun, is what the New Testament would call this world. Or, or it's what uh, philosophers or sociologists today call the secular or secularism. And what we mean by that is that in the ancient world, uh, they divided reality in two ways. There was the heavens. And the heavens were the place where the gods and all the deities and everything that was supernatural or sacred lived. It was the place of heaven, the place of hell, the place of eternal destiny. And the other reality was, was this world or the things that were under the sun. And, and what the preacher is doing here is he's helping us to see what life is like if all there is is things that are under the sun. It's a reality that is without God or without any regard to God or the sacred. And so the question then becomes this, can we find meaning in a reality that is only under the sun? Can we find ultimate purpose and satisfaction in life without any sort of regard for God or spiritual things? Can we construct a meaningful reality for ourselves, for our kids, for our lives, while totally ignoring God and the existence of God? And the answer, of course, brings us to the next most common phrase or saying in the book of Ecclesiastes, and that is vanity, and other translations, meaningless, and of course the answer is no. We cannot find those things. Life under the sun cannot bring any sort of ultimate meaning to our lives. But what the preacher wants to do is rather than just say that, what he wants to do is he wants to prove it. So he goes on these different experiments or these different searches in order to find meaning under the sun. One of the searches is the search for achievement and success. Can I find meaning, ultimate meaning, in hard work, in achieving things or being successful? The second search has to do with pleasure. 
Can I find meaning in life through pleasure, through enjoying the pleasures of this life? And and the final search is the search for justice. Can I find meaning in, in a just society? And what happens is he highlights for us that these are all things that our secular culture goes to in order to find meaning. In many ways, it's no different in his day than it is in our day. And he argues that once you remove God from the equation, something else necessarily has to fill the void. And what he does is he, 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 he scratches on those things that we use to fill the void once we re- have removed God from the equation, these God replacements. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at those different searches. And this week what I want to do is look at that first search Because for some, achievement and success are what they pursue in order to fulfill the void left by removing God from the equation. And what the preacher highlights for us is that in the end, there is no meaning, no ultimate meaning, even in achievement and success. Just a few quick observations on achievement under under the sun, which then answers the question why you can't find ultimate meaning in those things. And the first observation we see in verse verse 14, and that is the problem of chance. Listen to these words. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Now, if you've hung out at City Church long enough, you know that one of the the bedrock things that we believe is that we serve and worship a God who is sovereign. We believe that because of that, that there is an order and a plan to our lives that is rooted in the will and the control of a supreme God, that, that nothing that happens to you each day is by accident. You may not know why it happens, but you trust in the fact that there is a God who is sovereign and does know that, that, why, that things happen for a reason or part of his plan. But if you live only under the sun, if you live only under the sun, then there is really no rhyme or reason to what happens to you in the day in and the day out. There's no sort of ultimate plan that orchestrates the lives that we live, the things that happen in this world. And that's what the preacher's highlighting here by using this example. And think of it this way. Think of the person, and we all know people like this. Maybe you are someone like this. We all, think of the person who works three jobs in order to just make their financial ends meet. One who, who finally saves up enough money in order to buy a house because they've lived uh, frugally and uh, they've lived wisely for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, as soon as about they, are, they are about to buy their, their first home, they are taken advantage by a loan shark and they lose all their money in one moment. Then think about it on the other side. Think of the person who lives foolishly their entire lives, who incurs debt, who racks up credit cards one after the other, spending money on things that they don't uh, have the money for year after year after year, and one day they randomly win the lottery and they become millionaires. 
right? Think of those both two scenarios. This is the problem of chance that the preacher is talking about when it comes to hard work or achievement. In effect, he's saying that we are subject to random forces outside of our control. And so the conclusion is all of it winds up being meaningless. It reduces everything to vanity, a chasing after the wind. So under the sun, living presents us with the problem of chance. But it also presents us with the problem of time. And this is where things get really cheery in the book of Ecclesiastes. Verse 16, For for of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the day to come all will have been long forgotten. In effect, what he's saying is no matter how much you achieve, no matter how successful you are, time eventually erases the memory of all of us. One of the commentators uh, on the book of Ecclesiastes uh, challenges his readers to do this. I'll present this challenge to you. Can you name uh, six, six vice presidents before the year 1960. Now, I certainly couldn't, right? I couldn't probably even tell you six presidents before the year 1960. But what his argument is this, is that the vice president, the president, holds some of the most powerful positions in all of the world, and yet you and I, probably sitting here, can't even remember their names, unless we're really into politics. Or think about it this way. We all have uh, grandparents, right? Um, And we probably know a good bit about uh, our grandparents. And we, of course, all have great-grandparents. And we probably know a little bit less about our great-grandparents than we do our grandparents. And then you move on to our great-great-grandparents, and we probably know even less about them. So think about it this way. We will all, all of us in this room, we will all have great, great grandchildren that will know little to nothing about all of us, and frankly, they probably won't even care, right? They probably won't even care. And so, all of the achievement, all the successes, all the hard work, it will all be forgotten by time. Doug O'Donnell uh, tells uh, a story uh, about a time where uh, uh, he went back to his uh, high school. And he tells the story, he writes this uh, in his book. He says, a few years ago, I went back to my high school to play in an alumni basketball game. He writes, I was the star back in the day. I was the leading scorer of the conference and its MVP. Yeah, I even broke a few of the school records. Yet when I returned to play in this alumni game 15 years after graduation, almost nobody recognized my face or even my name. The alumni team I was on, which had players mostly 10 years younger than I, they didn't even know me. I was so frustrated by it that I wanted to pull out the record book and point to my name and say, hey, that's me. But then I looked in the record book and saw that my name was relegated to the bottom of a few long lists. 
Someone had broken every glorious record I once held. How tragic. I worked so hard back then only to be forgotten now. What a waste. What vanity. My face was as short and embarrassing as an air ball. You see, what he came to terms with was this, that all of the hard work, all of it was largely forgotten. All of our names eventually become erased from the memory books. One commentator said, future generations will no more remember the scholar than they will the beggar on the street. And so, under the sun living presents us with the problem of time. And finally, perhaps the most cheerful, it presents us with the problem of death. Verse 16, how the wise dies just like the fool. Verse 18, I hated all the toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool Yet he will be the master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is a vanity. You see, no matter how hard you work or achieve or succeed, death comes to all of us. We leave all of those things behind to another person, and we don't know whether they will further our work or whether they will build it or whether they will flush it down the toilet. At the end of the day, we have no control over it. See, Tolstoy, uh, the author of War and Peace, recognized this as well. And he said this haunting quote. He said this, My question, that at which at the age of 40 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions lying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was this, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can be expressed thus, is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? You see, under the sun living presents us with the problem of chance, presents us with the problem of time, it presents us with the problem of death. And friends, if you are living independent of God, if you are living strictly under the sun, then you cannot escape these problems. They hound each and every one of us every single day. You see, many make achievement and success the foundation of their lives. It becomes their source of recognition, how they are set apart as special in this world. It becomes their source of satisfaction, how they feel worthwhile or approved or valued. It becomes their source of contribution. This is what I can give to the world. It even becomes their source of identity, how they define who they are. A question might be to ask yourself, do I do this? And if so, how do I figure it out? Well, this is how you figure it out. If you fail... 
if you, if you don't succeed in this life, if you don't achieve, then is that crushing to your soul? Friends, achievement cannot bear that sort of weight. It becomes a faulty foundation. And this is the very thing that the preacher is trying to expose, that achievement and success, all these things cannot be the ultimate foundation of your life. Now, I think it's important to say that there is some meaning that comes from all of these things. The scriptures are certainly clear that we can certainly feel satisfied about a goal reached or feel satisfied at the end of a long day of hard work. We can take pride in the fact that we've contributed something to society, but these things cannot provide the ultimate meaning that our souls are really longing for. They cannot be foundational. And so, if, you can, if, it, if they cannot replace God in your life, because apart from God, all of these things reduce down to meaninglessness, a chasing after the wind. Think of all those who have worked so hard to achieve remarkable and incredible things, only to be left empty and feeling unfulfilled. And friends, this is why life lived apart from God in the end is always reduced to futility. Because what the gospel does is it calls us to a different source. The gospel calls us to find our recognition in Jesus Christ, in the fact that you and I have been redeemed and adopted into the family of God. It calls us to find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ. He has satisfied the just punishment that you deserved, and so you no longer need to strive. Instead, you can rest in his work on your behalf. The gospel calls us to find your worth and your contribution in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been given a mission to advance his kingdom. And ultimately, the gospel calls you to find your identity ultimately in your relationship with Jesus Christ because you have been chosen, you have been selected, you have been loved in grace. You see, friends, you can find wonderful meaning and purpose and satisfaction in your work, but you can't find ultimate meaning and satisfaction in it. That can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only in a relationship with him do we recognize that life isn't run by chance. Instead, everything has a deeper meaning in his plan and his purpose, whether we are in on that plan or purpose or not. Only in a relationship with him do we recognize that our time is given to us in order to make a difference for all of eternity, for things that last. Only in our relationship with him do we recognize that death really isn't the end. Instead, it is just a gateway to an eternity that will forever be secure. 
Only in a relationship with him do we find ultimate purpose in our work to not work for our own glory, but to work for the glory of God. You see, what Jesus does is Jesus redeems us from the vanity. Jesus redeems us from the meaninglessness. And so, friends, forfeit all of those faulty foundations and find what you are looking for in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.